start date 07152021. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Trek. I'm your captain for tonight. I've taken over the con. It's Mariah Gossett here, and with me on the view screen is Mike Garcia, Clyde Haynes, and Grant. Hi, just Grant. Just Grant. <laughs> Just Grant. Um, so tonight we're actually going to uh, talk about some classic Trek. We're streaming live uh, on YouTube and we're going to dig into the highly requested Q episode from Voyager, Death Wish. So we're excited to uh, to dig into some of those details. Uh, but before we do that uh, and figure out how this might inform his character and reemergence into Picard, we have a few reminders. Hey, if you are watching us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wherever, and you want to participate in the conversation, then we, one, we encourage you to do so. And two, all you have to do is type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will check out your comment or question at some point in the show, if it's witty enough. If it's not, (laughs) we'll ignore it. Yeah. Gotta be (laughs) funny, guys. We have standards. We'll, we'll check it out. <laughs> uh, if you're also listening to the audio version of this podcast a few days later, a few months later, whenever you get to it, um, do know that we do this live over on YouTube, and we would love to have you engage with us directly on YouTube during this session. It's a lot of fun for us to not only have this conversation amongst us four, but for you to be involved in the conversation as well. So we would love to have you come over there and join us, subscribe, and uh, you know, follow us. Uh, yeah. But you can, if you do want to just listen to it, um, StarTrekPod.co. All right. And can you guys hear me? You yep. can hear me. Okay, good. And if you want to support the pod, visit us at Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. There you can find bonus episodes of the podcast. And if you pay two bucks an episode, you will be invited into our private Slack group where we have uh, it's a great, positive community of Trek fans there all talking Star Trek all day, every day, and having uh, Star Trek watch-alongs like almost every night of the week. Um, I think they watched Mm -hmm. this episode that we're going to talk about, uh, Death Wish, last week, so everybody's all queued up. And if you want to be a part of that, trust me. up. (laughs) I didn't even, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to derail. So visit us at patreon.com slash Star Trek. Do it. All right. So before we dive into this episode of Voyager, um, I thought we should actually discuss that we officially have a premiere date for Lower Deck Season 2. Very exciting. Um, We got a new little teaser trailer. Um, We actually got like a full trailer, I think, a couple of months ago. But officially, August 12th, so in just three weeks, we have new Trek to watch. Very exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, did y'all get a chance to check out the the little teaser? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was, was so insightful. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so five seconds spoiled the whole season for me. Five seconds of a Mariner and Boimler on a, a space car uh, trying to not hit a, a fish space person. Mm-hmm. Classic Lord. Uh, not a person. Not a person. <laughs> not a person. Not a person. That's right. Ooh. It was great. You know, I, I thought Prodigy was going to come out first, but apparently... Um, that's taken a while because the animation on that is uh, it's just incredibly complex. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have seen some of the screenshots they put out for Prodigy, but that shit looks really amazing. Yeah, it looks um, really good. 
Of course, Grant hasn't. I on. But, uh, I'm going to look right now, and then you'll see my face as soon as I, I check. Like, do it. Any Grant's not time. on. Uh, Grant's not on Trek uh, Twitter, like the rest of us. Um, but yeah, it's Lower Decks is going to be the next Trek show dropping season two. And you know how I found out about that? Our not own Twitter account. This, not because of this teaser. Not what? because of this trailer. Not because of our Twitter account. Because I heard Tawny Newman announce it on the uh, the official Star Trek podcast. What's that called? I forgot what it's called. Oh, the Pod Directive with Tawny Newman. Pod Directive mm-hmm. on the episode in which she gave this podcast a shout out. <laughs> that was super cool. Wow. <laughs> Are you I gotta simultaneously say. trying to brag about her giving us a shout out while forgetting the name of her podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's you on know, brand for me, my friend. It's it, on it's, brand. It's funny because as you said that, I was just thinking. My glass is fogging up. I've become like, I don't want to say closet, maybe low key, like huge Tawny fan. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why. Her mu- her. Have you listened to her music? It's really good. See, even more reason. I just I feel like every yeah. time she pops up, I just feel like, yo, she seems mad cool. Um, and it actually like. I think she's part of the reason why I'm missing Space Force. Mm. Well, she just finished filming that in Vancouver, so it's coming. Vancouver sounds like a, a cool place to to film. Yeah. <laughs> and go visit. Go visit. It's jealous. Old. Jealous that you can get across the border right now. I can't see my Oh, fam. hey, before we go, I'm sorry if I'm throwing you off, Mariah, but we mm-hmm. have, uh, did you see the other Trek news that we got this week about the movie? Oh, yeah. They're, uh, one of the JJ-produced films has now gone to script. And uh, what's his name is directing it? The guy who did... Um, WandaVision. WandaVision. Matt, yeah. uh, Matt Shankman, who is, like, nominated for an Emmy for Best Director. I think WandaVision has, like, the most Emmys of a streamer this year, uh, or the most Emmy nods. So, um, according to Deadline, Matt could have picked any project that he wanted and he was offered a number of different projects, uh, including Marvel projects, and he chose Star Trek. The he uh, he crowned us yeah. king of the nerds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's pretty great. Yeah, that's exciting. I guess I need to know more. I want to be excited. I think did you see Wandavision? I, I did. I watched every episode of Wandavision, did you um, enjoy and it, it was particularly uh, entertaining. Once I figured out what the hell it was about. Um, <laughs> I I guess here I guess maybe that's part of my hesitation. Like I'm excited about Trek because I'm always excited about Trek, but I'm like WandaVision threw me because I could have said the same thing about Marvel before that. Meaning I'm I love Marvel. I'm always excited for Marvel. I don't care if it's a Hulk movie or Thor, whatever it is, sign me up. I'm gonna go watch it. WandaVision comes along and it felt like all of a sudden the there was this barrier to entry for me who's been like a Marvel fan for a long time. You're please also a TV nerd. I'm also a TV nerd, but please don't do that to my track. Don't <laughs> don't don't have this be some obscure reference that I got to find someone nerdier than me to explain it to me uh, that's 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 our whole podcast Clyde. yeah we're here we're, we're here we're here for you <laughs> and you can listen to mcu pod if you need help with wandavision yes or that 
Or are you, you just, you're on that sometimes. I mean, I, I was only on it once I figured out what it was about. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I can't talk about it until I, oh, I, world in a bubble. Got it. Well, so I think, I think the, the, the big point is that um, somebody who is in the A++ class of Hollywood directors at this point, working with the biggest uh, brands out there, is at the head of a new Star Trek film that is in pre-production, actually coming to theaters soon. So that's super exciting. What are they going to do about um, Chekhov, though? Anton Yelkin. Well, well it's they... unconfirmed whether or not it's going to be um, mm-hmm. Chris, uh, Chris Pine? Pine and all them or Kelvin Universe. We don't know what we're getting. What if uh, they did a younger version recast of uh, the TNG kids? That that That's a rumor. That's actually a rumor. Hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It better not be uh, James McAvoy trying to be a young yeah. bald version of a Picard. <sighs> yeah. That is, I mean, first of all, I, I want to say that's really interesting, but honestly, it's just fan service because that's my favorite track. So it, like, I'm going to go see that twice. Right. <laughs> but I don't know that, that if, if you pitch that to me as an exact team, I don't know that I'd go, that's a brilliant idea. I just, uh, but it sounds fascinating to me as an individual. I can see that. But yeah, we no details confirmed as of yet that I've been able to see of what it's actually going to be about. Although they keep using Kelvinverse like um stock like or not stock but images and stills and stuff like that in all of the press, so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to use, right? I don't know. Like the late those are like the latest Search for movies. Spock. <laughs> Generations. There you go. Um all right, anything else about Lower Decks or other Trek news? No. Nah, let's talk about old Trek. Let's talk about some classic Trek. All right, so we're going to dive into this episode of Voyager. I can talk today. Um, But before we go any further, I do just want to give a quick uh, trigger warning, heads up. This episode of Voyager, um, if you are unaware, does deal with death and death by suicide. So if that's not um, something that is a topic that you want to listen to or you're not in a great headspace, please take care and feel free to skip or not listen at all. Um, uh, or listen at another time. Uh, we'll also include some resources in the show notes, but if you ever need someone to talk to in the U.S., the National Suicide Lifeline is available 24-7 at 800-273-8255. Um, and again, we'll have additional resources in the show notes. Okay, so Death Wish premiered on February 19th, 1996, and it is the 18th episode of the second season of Voyager. Uh, it's directed by James L. Conway, who directed a ton of Trek across every franchise in the nineties. Um, I like, I clicked on his name and I was like, Oh, you literally did everything. <laughs> so uh, he's very well uh, known within the franchise and it was written by father and son writing and production duo, Sean and Michael pillar. Right. Um, who also have written for a fair amount of Trek. So uh, this episode in particular is on a bunch of best of Trek lists and is often cited as one of the top 10 episodes of Voyager of all time. So I am interested in what you all have to say with some hot freaks. Cue me. All right. (laughs) Who wants to go first? Uh, yeah, who wants to go first? Who's not Grant? Uh, Clyde wants to go first. <laughs> I, I mean, I had some thoughts, but then Mariah's intro as one of the greatest Voyager episodes ever. 
I think that's fair. I did not say that. I said critics have said that. So you. Can that's right. I, I didn't want to put that. I, I don't want to attach that. And keep in mind, we're we're thinking about Q. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a that's a big statement for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I can. I can cast that statement, but you have to move beyond it. You just gotta. I had actually never heard that. So, uh, Den of Geek and a couple of oh. other places have put those, it on. Those aren't 10. critics. Those are just. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just boys. that aside. Den of the Geek. thing that struck me, I think, the most is with the exception of maybe like a half a scene, maybe a quarter of a scene. Q was the straight man all the way through this episode. Yeah. Um, and it took, like, I, I, I was looking and going, interesting, because I, it's one of those times where, you know, you have someone who's always the clown, who's always the, the jokester, the prankster, you know, the, you know, the butt of the jokes or whatever. And you're used to seeing them in this role every single time. And you wonder, well, what it, you know, okay, I'm, I'm annoyed by this. This is frustrating. You know, what would it be like if they weren't like this? Well, we get to see what is Q like without being, you know, the, the prankster, you know, this, this, you know, jokester kind of uh, character. And I was kind of going, well, it's a little heavy. Like it's a little, <laughs> so it's a little heavy, and um, I, I don't want to say it drugged down a bit, but it did feel like uh, something a little slower than your typical Star Trek courtroom episodes, which there are a ton of. Right, mm -hmm. there are a ton of. This one had no levity throughout. Um, interesting dialogue conversation. It really makes me want to go back and think about what, what was going on in the culture when this episode was written and, 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 and aired. Right. Cause, cause I feel like that needs to be brought into the discussion. It's almost like, well, what was going on and how was this commentary on it? Uh, Dr. Kevorkian was. I assume on. that <laughs> was Dr. Kevorkian around the same time. He was like yeah. it was the mid to late nineties when he first made headlines. I think yeah. I, I remember that whole conversation was such a a whispered. Oh, Dr. Kevorkian, so awful. Um, you know, my my take on this episode is that yeah, it was dealing with uh, you know a, a heavy topic but there's almost something that's a little stripped away when you're dealing with an immortal being who wants to um uh, choose a point uh, uh, of departure you know for essentially some euthanasia right um and that there's there's a trial for that it it doesn't there there's some of it that has resonance but there's like this kind of emotional detachment that all of us non-immortal beings have from from a lot of the being able to identify with it. So some things didn't really hit, and it also felt drawn out overall the episode. Um, like there weren't enough um, layers to kind of uh, approach it from, I guess, or maybe uh, 
Um, was there a B plot? And I was going to say a more robust B plot, but I only remember there no, being a B plot. Not really. So yeah, it might have might have benefited from. I, I I always look at these episodes through a modern day lens of like how would uh, a modern show approach this, and probably the musical cues would be different, and things would have a bit more um, of emotional payoff. But that said, I. You know, it is interesting what they were approaching and what they were trying to discuss. And um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, like The Good Place, where The Good Place um, at one point kind of addresses similar things. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. I, I will leave it at that. I thought it was okay. And it's, it's good to see uh, another layer of Q, especially in regards to how he he has to play someone who's, who's a little bit uh, put up against, you know, the wall and he has to defend something rather than, you know, being the one who's obviously the puppet master. For an episode about the heavy topic that it did cover. Um, and it ultimately shows us a, an assisted suicide and has a heavy dialogue about that. There was a hell of a lot of goofy shit in the first half of this episode and Clyde, it was, I thought a lot of it was really fun and goofy. Like, you know, all of a sudden there's like a, there's like a hippie who's arguing with, um, uh, who was it? the guy, who, Isaac uh, Newton, Isaac Newton. Yeah. That and might breaks, the best we get, for me. We got breaks. I loved all that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and the, the trial episode in, in this era of Trek is is a trope that I really enjoy. Some of the best episodes, you know, like Measure of a Man from TNG. This reminded me of that a little bit where there's where the 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 question at the heart of the trial is really a conundrum. And there's almost no right or wrong answer. And what is what is wild is that this episode, um when Quinn shows up, played by Garrett Graham. He's just, it's just so, it's a little over the top and really goofy. And then Q shows up and he's kind of acting out of character, the Q mm -hmm. that we know, which is interesting, but it's also odd because, like you said, Clyde, he's a straight man. So it's so weird. Um, and then it's a total mixed bag until we get to the latter half of the episode. And the episode just seeds the stage to Garrett Graham as Q2 or Quinn. And he, gives these beautiful insightful soliloquies and he takes over the episode about his plight and about um why he's doing what he's doing and convinces Janeway and it, I, I found that rather emotional and I thought it was a great combination at the end there of writing and performance that almost made me forget all the goofy stuff at the beginning and and because I, I was kind of ready to write it off mm -hmm. because I haven't I haven't seen this in over a decade until we got there until we get to the Q continuum and Garrett Graham takes over the episode and and really starts laying down some deep insight about how he is just over this because life is over and he's seen everything and Grant I get that that disconnection that you're getting like. Um, we're, we don't feel that, you know, we have mortal lives, obviously, so it's hard to relate. But, you know, going into Voyager, going, especially Voyager, we're, 
there's not a lot to relate to in Voyager. Maybe there is, but it's it's always like, okay, let's take this wacky space concept and then apply our rules to it and see how it goes. And I thought this episode did a good job of that, if you know what I mean. No, I mean, I I do find, uh, maybe that was a, a, poor a poor characterization, because I do find that a lot of it is very relatable. I, I think, though, that um, the kind of preachy element of the value of life coming from uh, mortal humans uh, to an immortal person maybe didn't really hit right for me because it's like, well, you don't know what this person's been through. It, being imprisoned for, you know, an indeterminate amount of eons is <laughs> yeah yeah i um so i also hadn't seen this episode in a long time and i remember i um remember why i i don't usually rewatch it in my rewatch like it's not one that's like on the top of my list if i'm like scrolling through and feeling like watching like a classic voyager up um just because i i end up just like tossing and turning thinking about what i would have done if i was janeway in that situation and i can never come up with a concrete answer because i can always come up with like but what about that like a what about for like everything um so i hand it to the writers in that I don't think they ever actually fully come down on an opinion about it at the end. Like they don't give you a nice yeah. lesson in a bow, which sometimes I appreciate because it does spark conversation and gets people thinking about like a lot of these different concepts. So as far as like Q, cause I know that's what we're trying to focus on um, within this, this hot freak of mine, but I kind of enjoyed his character progression through this because he does start out as like having this very solid opinion, but then breaks the rules by the end of it, which does feel very cute to me. Um, I know they were trying to make sure that the relationship didn't feel the same between Q and Janeway as it does between him and Picard. But to me, it did feel the same because it feels like he just flirts with everyone. And like, I kind of hated all of the weird sexual innuendos from Q to Janeway. Cause I don't know why it just like it came off it comes off I think differently now how heavy-handed it was like I was like there could have been more nuanced ways to do this than having him show up in her bed like that really bothered right, there's, me there's some creepy things going on yeah. yeah like it gets a little creepy oh, it gets worse in his in his further appearances on Voyager yeah, I know I know and so that's why I was like oh I forgot Definitely. how much I hated this relationship um <laughs> so but but I did enjoy the character arc as a whole for Q. And so that's kind of where I landed by the end of it. But yeah, in general, this episode just left me with more questions than answers. So yeah. we have some hot freaks from the listeners and kind of like what you're saying, Mariah Chupi says, I like how this episode is pointing out that Q returned to the fold mm -hmm. of the continuum and Quinn fired up his repressibility again. Yeah. Like our Q had an arc here. Like this episode was all about the Quinn Q, but RQ had a pretty, pretty great arc here because by the end of TNG and that TNG finale that we saw a few weeks ago, Q is like the head ornament of the continuum, right? He's like putting Picard on trial in, in, uh, in for the continuum, right? Mm -hmm. The continuum is judging you and I'm here to judge you. And so he's kind of back in the fold because previously he had been kicked out just for being such a, such a prankster mm -hmm. and now he's like the straight man um yeah. but then quinn with his 
just his irrepressibility and his uh, non-conformity mm-hmm. inspires him to be that trickster Q again by the end. So when we see Q again later, he's back to his old really fun, wacky tricks. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I believe in the t- like in Q's character timeline, by this point, he has been made mortal and made immortal again, yeah. right? Like he's mm-hmm. experienced mortality. Um, yeah. So that was interesting to me that he was so adamant to try to keep Quinn from becoming mortal. I almost wish they had dug more into that because I wanted to know why Q wouldn't recommend mortality to his friend or, you know, to the other Q. You know, Mariah, I think the comment about digging more into it really, I, 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 I resonate with that because I feel like, and there's some comments in the chat where people kind of relate to it. I struggled because I think when I think about kind of this, this topic, the, the, the primary question that always comes up is if someone is in pain, right? Mm-hmm. Someone is, if it's, you know, is just they're having a, a life of pain, is the merciful thing to do is to let them go, right? Like th- that has been, it's, it's, it's this dilemma that goes, right? Do you believe so much in the quality of life that you look at their actual quality of life? Or I should say, you believe so much in the, sanctity of life mm-hmm. that you negate the quality of life that someone is and and that to me becomes a very difficult philosophical question yeah it's a big one and it, and it's interesting because this to me this is like them having this conversation about right assisted um suicide and um i i've heard some really interest in and like i don't think i have a fully concrete formed opinion one way or another about it at this point just to like preface um but i i've heard interesting commentary from like the disability community about how the conversation around assisted suicide can be especially dangerous to their community because people will have opinions about what their quality of life is like but have no actual idea what their life is like right like it's just this assumption that their life is in this way because it's different from an able-bodied person um so yeah, so anyway, I'm still learning a lot about it. So if anyone has resources or articles or videos, like I'm I'm definitely interested in learning well, more. Mariah, I think your point is really interesting because I think where I was going was I struggle to look at kind of Garrett Graham Q as in pain, right? And to your point, that is an outside opinion. Mm-hmm. looking at him and trying not to, but ultimately making a judgment about their, his quality of life. Right. Right. And I think that's where we have to be a little careful. Cause and that's why I struggle to connect. Cause I'm like, you're bored, right? My nine-year-old is constantly telling me how bored she is. <laughs> and that's just doesn't land with me. And so, and I'm, and I'm not saying that he's a nine-year-old, but I'm saying it was hard for me to relate to that. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah, echoing what everyone's saying about the the delicacy of this this subject, um, the idea of the autonomy of an immortal being who has experienced a lot of things. Um, I, I don't know if it is a matter of whether or not they their quality of life has dipped or anything. It's just if if they no longer uh, 
you know, are interested in it. Yeah. Who, who, I, is, who is the judge in that realm? And, and yeah. can one be res- like respected enough to, you know, have their own agency in, in making that, that decision. And granted this, this affects more than one person. So this is really just taking a, a slice of a hypothetical and eliminating, you know, the complex nuances, I guess. Um, but Very you know, th- that said, I, I thought, I thought it, I, I still think it's it's interesting kind of posing that question and um, uh, you know this is something that was also explored in in the good place as I was talking about a little bit and um, it, it's just a fascinating um, you know concept to me. Yeah, it, it's also interesting to me. Like I wish I knew more about the rules of Q at this point because um, they were all over the place in this episode with the rules. Like how yeah. did he know some of the things he knew? Like it, it didn't make a lot of sense, and then. Garrett Graham Q uh, says, well, we're not, we're actually not omnipotent, nor omniscient. Right. Which is interesting. And, yeah. and to me, that would mean then, because I know that they talk a lot about how they can kind of, because they have the ability to, to traverse time, essentially. Um, but the other thing is like the universe scientifically is ever expanding, which to me means there would always be something new to see, I guess, but it, it, but I guess with time travel, can, can they go to the end of the universe is my question. (laughs) It's strange that the, uh, the character arguing, um, that, that he's seen it all and he has nothing left to live for because of his omnipotent like powers. He's arguing that he's not omnipotent. That was a strange thing for me. And if they are these like I don't know. I feel like there'd be so many ways you could experiment within the universe, even across like an infinite amount of time. Like the concept to me that omnipotent beings at all have the funk, like a concept of life or death is very strange to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I like this comment from Chupi um, talking about kind of relating to, to this episode. We are mortal but I totally related to the feeling of futility of just doing the same things over and over. And what she's saying here really resonates with me because we had a trigger warning in front of this episode. And I'm going to say one again. Now I suffer from depression, really bad depression. And I, I see a therapist sometimes more than once a week for years. And um, I, I take antidepressants and all that stuff has saved my life. And I definitely have and still do struggle with that feeling of futility. Um, so what Chupi is saying here really resonates with me. And I think that's something while watching this episode, I, I knew that I was um, relating to. But I think like you, Mariah, it's it's hard to like fully engage with that without going to like a hot, dark place. Mm-hmm. But it is worth mentioning. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, one, thank you for sharing that, Mike. Um, and then two, you know, I definitely, uh, feel you on that. Like I have been in some very deep, dark places, even within the last year, you know, this was been like a crazy time. And so I, I almost was like, I don't even know if I want to watch this episode, you know, <laughs> like, but at the same time, well, I think it's, uh, interesting in the larger concept i've been trying to think about how i how this might apply to picard because now that he is um also in a like a not a fully immortal being but 
essentially escaped death. And so I think that's going to be really interesting to see play out with these two characters. Not to rabbit trail, but Mariah, you just made me think of the fact that Picard has escaped death a couple times. And where we're at is both of those times mm-hmm. you will have been involved either directly or now immediately post post, you know, yeah. miracle. You know, another thing that we were exploring in the first epi- uh, first season of Picard was Picard had kind of come to a degree of acceptance of his, his mortality. Mm-hmm. And he was okay with the fact that he didn't have much longer and he was going to have to move on. And, um, you know, that mortality was kind of taken from him without his consultation when they just said, Oh, by the way, we fixed things and now you're immortal. Um, I wonder if that's something that's going to be grappled with. And once again, now that Q has kind of come out the other end of this experience and after a bunch of, um, uh, you know, uh, whining and uh, uh, decrying the process and, and claiming that it would break the entire Q continuum. He ultimately um, facilitated in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, he He's the one who helped uh, shepherd Quinn, you know, into mm-hmm. the next whatever. Um, so how, how was that? How might that play out with the card? Yeah. It's weird to see Q like respect the individual, right? Like he yeah. did at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, like, is there Q theology to, to like, what what is the afterlife for Qs, right? Because I feel like as mortals, there's so much, like, lore and myth and religion that, like, talks about this, like, everlasting afterlife in some regards, or the concept of, like, uh, um, not regeneration, but uh, reincarnation, right? So it's like, there are all these different ways in which, like, the soul potentially is immortal in a way in a lot of uh like theology human theology right and so like what is it within the q continuum is it just like light lights out (laughs) because like because they they exist which makes it already weird and outside of the rules of like true science right well i think i think uh some meat was left on the table with this episode concerning that because mm-hmm. um, like a good 40 minutes, they're like zapping to different places or Christmas tree ornament for, for a while. Like it's just a bunch of goofy shit and it's fun, but you know, you could have spent some more time um, delving into some of these issues. Like Marge says, Quinn is a continuous philosopher, which seems an important element, mm-hmm. which means if anybody in the Q continuum is going to, um, think or be excited or ponder uh, largely about what an afterlife afterlife is for a being like him. It's going to be Q, right? It's going to be Quinn, uh, right? So, it's like, I what does he know that they don't? <laughs> what does he know that they don't? What is he excited about the next plane? I think there's some lip service paid to that, but we don't really explore what he thinks is on the other side, well, or um, or if it's nothing at all, or if there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. And that's kind of where I was going. Was here we are on on one hand, and you know, again, we Maria, you mentioned they could have dug a little deeper. There was, Mike, I I can't say any better than you said it. There was meat left on the bone where I feel like this episode couldn't quite figure out where it wanted to go. 
Like it was almost like this is going to be the this is going to be the after school special. This is going to be the deep, thoughtful episode. And then it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't go too deep. Maybe we shouldn't really have the conversation. And I kind of go, I might have just respected this. If you think about this is one episode out of 22 or 25, right, where you were just going to go all in. And go, we're going to have this conversation. It's going to be deep. And this is going to be an episode that people don't rewatch over and over because it turned out that this is an episode that people don't rewatch over and over. Mm-hmm. But if you if you had just went in and said, we're going to we're going to talk about the afterlife, because for a lot of people, that is a big top of a conversation when you get to this subject. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because they do go there in other Voyager episodes because there's a huge um, character uh, arc for Neelix when he Neelix dies and comes back to life so many times in Voyager. It's almost like his poor character. Um, (laughs) But there's the one where he dies for a specific amount of time. They bring him back and he realizes that he did not go to the place where all of his family would have been, you know, like the folklore that was promised to him as a kid and has like a really big, um, you know, he then wants to die again because he now doesn't, he's just like, there's nothing for me on the other side. So why am I here? And it was very, very interesting. So I'm like, I know they can go there. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I wish they had just given us a nugget of what Quint thought was going to happen to him once he was gone. Like, is it like the good place where, you know, they, and spoilers, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the finale of the good place, but it's been out for a minute now. Uh Oh, (laughs) are you really going to spoil it? it. It's not a big spoiler, but they essentially are just like, there is a, a, a way for it to all just stop. Right. Like eventually there's a way for everything to stop. Um, because of the similar idea of like, eventually immortality in some way, shape or form becomes boring. Some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what I was saying earlier, like um, a good chunk of this episode is devoted to the, to the, the kind of goofy godlike shenanigans between the cues, right. Where they're hiding and zapping all over the place. And it's so, some of it's really fun, but it gets really silly. But I think um, a lot, it could have gone a lot deeper. And I think it, they maybe some of these writers, especially Michael Piller, who's done a lot of Trek and was really influential in shaping this era of Trek. Um, I think, and Michael Piller's a deep guy. I think, and he his son uh, had the idea for this episode, so they they worked on it together. And imagine the conversations um, Michael Piller had with his son about this topic. Why are you writing this? What are we talking about here? And let's get deep mm. about it. I'm right. sure there was a lot of depth to the idea and maybe the original script of of this episode, but I think it's the compromises of the era, right? To your, to your point, Mike, Jesse gender in the chat has said that there's like 20 minutes of deleted scenes. Mm -hmm. That was hard to cut. Oh, right on. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the few episodes of Voyager that there's no um, cold open, you know, like there's no thing that is sort of like, a a teaser of the theme of the episode before we actually dive into the meat and potatoes. Like we dive right into the meat and potatoes. Like there's a comet. And I was right off the bat. I was like, Oh, we're not going to ease into this. We're just like full steam ahead. 
Um, and yeah, there's a scene that was supposed to happen in Harry Kim's uh, quarters. That was the cold open, which, which ended up they filmed and then they cut and put into a different episode later on in the season. You mean the cold open was just Harry uh, is was just Harry Kim in the bathroom? No, I think it was like a conversation in Harry's quarters about something. Okay. But um, about his clarinet. <laughs> maybe about his clarinet. Um, but like yeah, it, okay. I. Uh, you know, I think they, it's almost like, I mean, in hindsight, it's 2020, right? Like, I think they, they go deep into the, like, some philosophical things, right? Because, like, and, and I don't want to d- keep going back into the depths of, like, this, the, the assisted suicide talk, just because I don't, I don't really want to dive into that, because it's not super applicable to the rest of what we're going to talk about. But yeah. I feel like they went so headstrong into that, that they left, a like, other conversations on the table, like y'all have been saying, like there were possible conversations about the role of the philosopher within Q and like, and I know they were really trying to make it so that you weren't just like, why did Q's just show up on like Federation starships? What are there other things that they could be doing? Um, but I'm like, I don't know. Are there other things they could be doing? Tell us what they're doing. What else do they do? Well, I, I thought it was interesting when we see, we enter the Q continuum and it's this rural house um, yeah. that we see everyone seems apathetic. I mean, maybe maybe jaded by what they've seen. They, they lack any sort of, of drive and curiosity. Um, no one cares that um, the Qs have brought humans in there to to see their continuum it seems even so uh, that just reflects what quinn is going through um and it it seems um kind of antithetical to you know the the entire ethos of of trek itself that there's always a a hunger and a curiosity for exploration and learning more like you said the ever-expanding universe there's always something new there's always going to be more but what happens when you know, there's other people that can go and explore that. You can pass that on. You can pass on your legacy. But if you are a, of an immortal um, race, uh, immortal beings, are there... Maybe this is a question to you guys who know a bit more about cues. Um, does, can someone become a cue? Can someone become an immortal being? Yes. And, uh, okay, so more can be brought in, mm-hmm. in which case it makes sense that some should be able to also leave when they want leave that journey and you know pass it on to the next people and like mike was saying this is a show written by a father and son there's this idea of passing on to the next generation and what it what is your legacy and what if you what is immortality is it you yourself or is it passing something on and your ideas live on well grant i think you bring up an interesting um an interesting point and where i struggle right because the thing that that was kind of hard for me is this is an episode about a Q who is living in futility and, and is done it all and seen it all. Yet he was inspired by a Q who entertains himself by playing with and annoying the human species. And who has at times created a cue, had, I know Lise doesn't want me to talk about this, a prodigy, like who's had a child. And so the natural question to me goes, well, if it's like, if, and I hate to use this word again, but if you're bored 
and you see somebody else having fun, don't you think to yourself, hey, maybe I should try and do what they do? And 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 to and, and I guess the limited view that we see is they are messing with humans all the time. I bet the Klingons would be a lot of fun to mess with. <laughs> or, or the Orions. Hey. Yeah. Uh, Clyde, we we've all been to Scarecrow. Come on. <laughs> um yeah, it's interesting to me too that they chose to show um the representation of all of the continuum one on like a human. Pl- I know they were trying to be like, this is what your brain can comprehend, but like they were literally all planet earth humans and primarily white dudes. And so I was like, this seems real boring up here. Yeah. Like what is going on? Like, <laughs> uh, I, I think they would probably argue, Hey, that's the point. That's why we did that. But it's actually like compromises of the era. We didn't have to put makeup on these people, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, this is this seems boring. Like, I feel like you're making it boring on purpose. And I would, if I was Janeway, question because I'm like, this is a form that you have said is easy for me to comprehend. Give me like a slightly more complicated version because this does look boring, but you could also just be making it look boring because you want me to be on your side. Like, <laughs> Voyager not have a budget. <laughs> Like what was, what I was, mean, that's an offsite location. You know, it's not in oh, no. Paramount Studios, so that is technically like a, yeah, a, a higher budget item. That didn't cost so much for that day shoot. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, in this area, Trek. Uh, if they're not in the ship, they're in that one cave, or in, they're in that one desert. Yeah, <laughs> they're at Vasquez Rocks, <laughs> or Vasquez some, Rocks, some shape or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, what do you? What did y'all think ultimately of of Janeway's choice? Well, her her first charge was to figure out, well, decide whether or not to grant him asylum, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it would, you know, she went up to the captain's duty and did grant him asylum. But mm-hmm. I don't know; it's hard to land on her choice. I think. I always come in, I always come down to accepting and respecting the rights of the individual. So today I'm going to say I kind of agree with Janeway. I, I, I even when she could have brought her whole crew home, which we all know she's going to not do because we're in the middle of a season two. <laughs> no, but you know that Janeway's not going to take a bribe. You know, she's not going to take a bribe. She's yeah. not going to do it that way. She's going to earn it. And I like that. I well, like I mean, that. He, I like that he dangled that carrot in front of her. And mm-hmm. um, uh, she actually looked very tempted mm-hmm. and and very sad to see that slip through her fingers. Um, but that's what Star Trek's all about, right? We have inner ideals and we strive to them. That's mm-hmm. it. Like the the bribe was. I, I didn't think she was going to take the bribe for a moment. And yes, it would be very easy to go. It's season two, and they they definitely want to go at least seven seasons. But I think part of it is, especially where we are in TV time right now, it is the captain is beyond reproach. The captain is going to do the right thing. Right now, I think if that happens, if if that same situation happens to Burnham, especially a young Burnham, say a season two Burnham on Discovery, I don't know what she does. Mm-hmm. Right, she might go. A she, chance for us to get home. I'm I'm taking it. She might sacrifice some lambs for the greater good. I she, mean, I, I can yeah. see her doing it. She'll yeah. she'll. We've seen from the jump she will mutiny a ship. 
yeah, she, she, she be disconnected uh, for you know for what what's best overall. Yeah. Now that being said, I felt like Janeway didn't really make a decision, mm-hmm. and and I don't. She made know like that. a roundabout she, decision. She did. She said, "Look." She goes. She basically said, "I can't control what you do. You're gonna do what you do, and I'm gonna go." What did you ask me? Do I see a sense, uh, a case for asylum? I'm going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to be responsible for you doing what I know you're going to do. I'm going to try and talk you out of it, but I'm only going to focus on what I think my responsibility is. So I, I it, so what happens was she, she focused on the letter of the law and didn't really commit to a decision one way or the other. Yeah. Can I posit a bigger question to you guys then? Mm-hmm. Please. Because the entire conceit of this is kind of ridiculous, right? Um, the idea that the Q are these all-powerful beings that can zip people back and forth and strip away your own autonomy in situations that they see fit because they're puppet masters. For them to say, oh, but if you if you have, um, if, if you offer, uh, what's it called? Um, asylum. Asylum. To Quinn, uh, I will totally respect that. I, I get that um, Q has shown that he 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 will be honorable, I guess. But at the same time, it is it's a construct that seems more like a test again than anything real. Like, is it possible that Quinn never actually dies? That this entire thing was uh, more of just fucking with. Uh, the crew of Voyager, then like, the, oh, sure, we made him into a human and then we killed him and you had to go through the experience of trying to figure out how you guys navigate that philosophically. And Quinn is just an actor, Q, who was along for the ride as well. And it's all about manipulation because we don't we don't have to respect the rules of Star Trek. We don't have to agree with that. We don't have to say, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll let you have a trial. It, it's all we do is continually test humans and you're ants to us otherwise i mean you make a good point because i think the other thing is like i think q probably no i mean obviously no matter which way it turned ended up giving in and and giving quinn what he wanted which i think even if the vote had gone to deny asylum for some reason he probably also would have helped him out anyway, because by the end of it, he has changed and realized that he's like given in too much to the rules and he wanted a big rule break. So it's like, did Janeway's decision even matter to him? Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I see what you're saying, Grant, with the the limited Q episodes that you've seen. Of course, that question is going to come into your mind. Is this just the Q testing humans again? And yeah, why not? But, um, I don't, I don't, based on the themes and everything they were trying to do with this episode, that's like not on the table for me. But um, Chupi has a good point here. She said Janeway clearly hoped she could convince him, Quinn, to try out mortality as an experience. And I think that yeah. I think that scene is really key after she grants Q asylum and the scene where Janeway is talking to um, Chakotay and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. It's like, oh, can we, we we can put him in astrometric mm-hmm. astrometrics? No, we have to close that down. Oh, he can do this. We'll have to close that down too. He knows everything. We can't do anything with him. And 
that's really key. It it reminds you, and it it kind of uh, underlines the point that Q's been there, done that, and how exactly is he going to fit into a human existence, especially one on a starship with like a specific mission? I think that you give he just him has like no the... interest in you know. Yeah, I think you give him like the most human of jobs. Like he has to like scrub toilets because <laughs> uh, what Q has done that. But True. he's been the scarecrow. He's done it. Yeah. You know, that's the point of that. Here's oh Grant, go ahead. Well, I just had another question about Voyager overall. I, mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm unclear on this. Is the idea that the ship um, is this the one that the ship's lost out in space or something, and they they yeah. don't know how to get back home? Well, yeah. they do. It's just Earth. Yeah, so they are all the way out in the Delta Quadrant. They're like way farther than they're supposed to be because they went through a wormhole. Um, And so they're trying to make it's the voyage home. So uh, they're trying to make it home. But at this rate, it will take a very long time. But, you know, hop, skip, jump, things happen. They don't have like cryogenic freezing or something. (laughs) Well, they have to go through uncharted space so they don't know if it's safe to. That is so gross. Kern says uh, Quinn could clean the holodeck. I know what that means. That's gross. They must that have means. you. So, okay. Right? Like Here's a, a squeegee. <laughs> Mariah, you're the <laughs> captain tonight. Mike, you're yeah. usually the captain. I got a question. Grant, jump in if you want to. If it's your ship, mm-hmm. do you take the deal? Oh. Karen also had this fo- uh, follow up, which I think uh, right. that's a little right. spice to it. I would have the crew vote. Because I think if you're taking that many people's uh, lives in your hands, that they should have a say in what happens. For yeah, real. and and Kern says I'm wondering how the rest of the crew would have taken Janeway's mm-hmm. decision if they had known what Q was offering. Yeah, what would you do, Grant? It's going to take you um, 80 years to get back home. You might be dead. I mean, was, was is this Janeway's first experience with any Q, or is she already familiar with how they operate? First experience, but she is familiar with them by reading about them. Okay, well then I would be um, extremely suspect of all of the machinations about this and say, if, I mean, there's something weird about Q already. Like, Q is dangling this opportunity. Q could do that at any time. So this is this is a test. It, it, it's just always a test, which makes me question whether or not this other guy even... Um, is genuine in his motivations. All of it seems fake, and it seems like uh, an unreliable um, cue that's once again manipulating the situation. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I guess. I guess I agree with Mariah. Ask ask all the crew, but give them the fact that like there's a good chance they're messing with us. Yeah, and we could we can take that option, and they'll take it away. Yeah. So Mariah values democracy grant has trust issues clyde where do you land uh i'm i think that democracy is a great great idea i'm probably leaning to take the deal because i'm thinking about my role as captain and going like you're gonna sit in the big chair then you have to deal with the big decisions and the consequences of those decisions but if i have a chance to get my whole crew home and i've got to make a decision that's going to be hard for me to live with for the greater good, I might take it because we're out here. And that means, I mean, there's a whole lot of dynamics that I've been thinking about with Voyager and the fact that first of all, it's not like you have a situation where everybody is just coupled up, right? 
you have people who have family, mm-hmm. loved ones, children back at home. And so even coupling up out here in space is it means something for what for that decision that you've made. Right. The, the fact that you have children that you never see grow up like there's a lot. And, and I'm sitting in in the big chair and going, I have the opportunity to get my crew home. Right. And it means that I've got to make a tough decision that ultimately could be difficult for me to live with. But benefit the entire ship. And this whole thing might be over. Mm-hmm. I, I, I might just go. I, I, I'll take one for the team. What's your what's your analysis of that, Mike? I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I agree with you. Um, we're both like, lazy. Like the sacrificial lamb. We're, we're both lazy. We want the easy way out. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lisa says, "What would Kirk do?" Would Kirk would punch Q in the face and tell him, "Take me home him. now." And he would, he would he would hook up with with yeah. probably he Kirk would have to find a lady Q. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but I, I would definitely, I, I would, I would take the deal because, and I would be more inclined to trust Q at this point if I were Janeway, because this is, this comes like more than halfway through the trial and throughout most of the trial Q, even though he does that kind of goofy thing where he like cross examines himself and it's kind of fun. Um, he, he'd been pretty much very sober throughout this whole trial mm-hmm. and, uh, less of the trickster Q. So, it's, and, and at that point, all he wants to do is win. Um, so I would trust him that, okay, if you dangle earth in front of me, you are actually, and I take the bait, you are actually going to return us to earth. This isn't a trick. I would trust him. And, um, yeah, I would just take the bait. I would go. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not fit for Starfleet. <laughs> I mean, you're uh, fit for Starfleet today. You're not fit for 90 Starfleet. That's true. Yeah. One of the other questions I had about Q and how he's interacting with Janeway is uh, that, you know, we touched on it being a little creepy. He's, he's hitting on her while simultaneously showing I have godlike powers and could return you to wherever you want. There's this power uh, differential here, which is fucked up. It's not great. Um, this not is the person who has shown that he can strip you of your uh, free will and autonomy at any point, and then he's also making these kind of sexual uh, come-ons, and the, the whole thing is just like, this is a different cue than uh, playful rascal scamp um, from TNG, because I, I feel like there's a different connotation when, I don't know, it felt weird to me. Well, I think... I, Go ahead, Mariah. I mean, there's definitely power at play. And then I think it's, I mean, it sucks that the way that they thought, how do we make Q playful with Janeway in the way that's not the same as with Picard is to make him horny for Janeway. And I was like, oh, I don't. But why? Why do we need this? Like, <laughs> and when he says, when he says, he looks at her and he's in her bedroom, he's violating her privacy. And he, and he says something like, Oh, I'm so attracted to you because you you have you, you command so so much authority, but you keep your femininity. Yeah, Ugh. I just so wanted to icky. reach through the screen and. Yeah, well, I think I mean it's meant to be kind of icky, but it's extra icky. Well, but here's the thing: I mean, we we say it's meant to be icky, but I look at it and go, if you want a representation of what was happening in the '90s, 
I mean, ding, 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 ding. They thought it was funny. Yeah. Still yeah, be, happening. Well, like, but at least now, I think the, the issue that I have is that if you'd asked me 20 years ago, did I notice? I might not have. Right. Hmm. But today we notice. And that's what sometimes makes going back and watching some of this old stuff hard mike you you in the in the intro you talked about the slack channel well one of the things watch alongs we do is we watch enterprise and the 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 issues with enterprise are just it at times all right and our the, the chat's gonna throw <laughs> things at me clyde Duggan and enterprise again. at times it makes it almost unwatchable with what they do to jolene blaylock's character mm-hmm like it's yeah. just like, are you kidding me? Everything about this is wrong. Um, but then again, if you had asked me twenty years ago, would I rail against it the way I do now? I don't know. I like to think that some part of me would have been like, "This is not right. I don't know why." And now I can articulate why. The whole dynamic, and not just in this episode, but the whole bi- dynamic between Q and Janeway is like, ah. Uh, it's yeah. This isn't. There had to be a better way. Yeah, Poopy so, said uh, that Q did leap into bed with Picard, and I do recall that scene. But I, I think there's a difference between um, his his love and infatuation of Picard and his lusting that was going on here. I was also going to say there's also a difference of consent because when that happens with Picard, Picard has consented to go back into time to redo this one particular thing. He's already consented to go into the Q nonsense with Q. So he has already said, I am here to do this experiment. I am here to do this trial. I'm here to play by your rules. Whereas Janeway is in her pajamas, in her real quarters, and then a male presenting person jumps in and comments on her femininity and good looks. <laughs> and to add to it, here's the thing that I saw. When he gets into bed with Picard, it, it, and this is just my perspective, it felt more like a brother playing a prank on a brother, right? Hi, Jinx. It, it yeah. is, you were in bed with a girl, she left, <laughs> and you roll over, it's in me. With yeah. Janeway, it felt like a come on, mm-hmm. and that's different. Like th- there wasn't, th- it didn't. I didn't feel like he was coming on to Picard. I felt like it was like surprise, and it just gets worse as the episodes go on. Every time yeah. he comes back, he is more horny for her, really, and it's really cringy. Uh, to the point where there's a whole episode where he tries really hard to court her. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. cringy. Um, so let's take her mm-hmm. away and like like which is kidnapping. Yeah, um, it's a mess. So let's hope wanna... Q's horniness is presented a, in a, in a more modern context next time we see him. Let's hope, because I mean Jerry Ryan's on the show, so who knows <laughs> what's going <laughs> to yeah. happen with Q and Jerry Ryan? Um, but uh, side, do we? Side, side note: mm-hmm. um, I've gone back and watched episodes of The OC, and Jerry Ryan is is oh. on there, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating to see her in a different type of role she's a good actor she was in that movie down with love she has a small role she kind of kills her scenes she's she's really good yeah um do we want to jump in and see if there are any additional comments or we can kind of open up folks if you have other thoughts about how you think q um 
is going to be interacting in the new season of Picard. Any takeaways you have from this episode? I I Um, do like that. We have like the more sober cue in this episode and he has his arc where he kind of gets his mojo back. He goes punk again at the end. Right. Um, But I think that, shows us it, it we've seen it before where q has an arc and he can grow and change but uh in this it it, it it's it's interesting because his growth and his arc kind of resets him to the punk trickster that we know him as um so he's not like the status quo guy anymore so i'm, I'm interested in the q that we're going to get in Picard, after all his experiences, is, is it going to be the punk trickster? Is it going to be the guy who's representing the continuum, who is um, the straight, more of a straight man, mm-hmm. or kind of a blend of those two? Um, we got a comment here from uh, Kathleen Kathleen Kubley who says, "You guys, I feel like I'm in a safe space. Safe space. So, I hate Q so much that I've skipped every Q episode since the finale of TNG. I'm dreading his return in Picard." Mm-hmm. First of all, Kathleen, thank you for joining us tonight if you hate Q, because that's what we're talking about. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. But, you know, this is this episode sort of felt like a different Q to me in, in multiple regards, in both him being the, the straight man, as you guys articulated, and also his interaction with Janeway um, kind of recontextualizes how this guy operates. I think this is a huge gamble for this show, right? And I, I, I think I've said this before. It, it, it definitely feels like we all, look, I think everyone in, on this pod agrees season one of Picard was rough, right? And rather than incrementally try and make it better or take some some sense of, okay, let's let's all get in a room and ask ourselves what went wrong and try and see if we can fix some of those things. They decided to throw a Hail Mary. They decided to go, all right, let's introduce some things that that are a bit risky. So I feel like introducing Q is, depending on how they do it, has the, uh, it's got a chance to maybe really give us something that is captivating if his character evolves right like we're it's it's been a long time we've just talked about 90s version of q maybe this is a a much more 2021 version of of q that is it's just very different right much like trek is different today maybe this is something different and we've all said that john delaney john delancey is a powerful actor there's a chance that this could be great there's also yeah. a chance that this could be an absolute train wreck and that this franchise ends at two seasons. Therein lies the fun. Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see how they take a character that to me feels so rooted in this very specific place and time in like this, the Star Trek style, right? Like it's, it, it's so rooted in this like nineties era of Trek and how they're going to update him for modern television just please don't show up in discovery don't do that to me <laughs> chippy chippy says uh he resets in this episode uh in death wish but this time q seems to have a mission to directly shake up the continuum will that be an element in picard is he still trying to shake the continuum up hmm. yeah i think that's the q i'd rather see somebody who's trying to make waves yeah for sure All right, y'all. Anything else before we wrap this bad boy up? 
I'm glad we watched it. It, it was mm-hmm. more of a heavy episode than I remembered. Um, kind of a mixed bag for me, but it was worth it for Garrett Graham's performance and just to see the two cues play on each other and how what happens in the end um, when we we really get to the end of both cues arcs. I thought that that was kind of inching towards profundity uh, for Voyager, which I liked. So yeah, I'm glad we watched it. it it's been a couple of decades since I've seen this episode. It'll at least be a couple more decades <laughs> before I watch this episode again. Yeah, uh, never again. Well, look, if I was going to watch again, and this is what I've been saying a, lo- a long time now, particularly with the watch-alongs that we do in the Slack, if I'm going to watch some of these episodes, it's better that I watch them with you guys and we actually have a thoughtful discussion about them rather than I start watching this. Because this is the type of episode that might have just derailed my watch back of, of Trek on my own. Mm-hmm. And I just been like, all right, well... The rest, if the rest of the episode is going to be like this, I'm done. Well, um, on that note, hey everyone, if if you love Star Trek and you're new to checking out our show, I just want to say that you don't have to watch episodes alone. You can watch them with a group that will have the discussions and dissect them. And we encourage you to come join us over at Patreon.com/slash/StarTrekPod. Uh, where you can make a uh, two buck an episode donation and you can actually join us on our Slack group where um, there are watch alongs that um, our our fans and uh, you guys uh, join in on. I don't think I've ever done one. (laughs) Um, I get dragged into watching these, these Voyager episodes, but everyone else can. Um, And it's, it it seems to be a a much more uh, positive and encouraging way of watching these shows and, and getting to, yeah, dive in deeper with them with with fellow Trekkie fans that are all very friendly and positive and welcoming. And we'd love to have you join us. Yes. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to also shout, quick reminder, we are doing a panel at the um, Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations uh, Conference on Saturday, put on by the lovely folks at Women, um, Women at Warp. Uh, they We will share a link on our social media channels where you'll be able to find our panel. It's free. It's on YouTube. It's on their Facebook page. Um, so you can find links to all of that uh, over on that space. Check out our socials for links to all of that stuff too. Um, that is Saturday at 8 p.m. Central Time. So a little bit earlier than normal for us, but it'll be a Saturday as well. And we're going to be talking about uh, how we saw ourselves in Trek and making friends through Trek. Because look at us. We're friends and we all like Trek. <laughs> so. I, think not, I think you're going to hear some new stories from us. Uh, so even yes. if you are a longtime listener, I think it's going to be new content. New stories, new perspectives. going to be fun. Absolutely. And, and probably some references to Lost. <laughs> I, I would hope so. It would It would not be an episode of our podcast without one, at least one. Um, we've definitely gone over time. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us on the pod. We'll be back um, on Saturday. You can check us out there and keep an eye on the socials for an announcement if we'll have another episode between now and Lower Decks because it's only three weeks away. Very exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks, James. Thanks, Karen, who runs our Twitter and our Insta at Star Trek Pod. Yep, you visit win. us at StarTrekPod.co to sub and follow the pod and sub to the YouTube channel. Thank you. Click that notification bell. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you again soon. Live long and prosper. Bye. Bye.